Hey, what's going on, Zoe? This is Pastor Chad. We love you so much. I am so excited. This week's special guest is none other than the great Pastor Javen Chavez from Las Vegas, Nevada. We're going to go to his message here in just a moment, but I just want to say thank you to everyone that subscribes to our podcast, everybody that comments, posts, shares. We love you. Thank you for leaning into our church and being the best part of Zoe. We always say this at Zoe, the best part of our church is the people of our church. So let's lean in. Let's be encouraged by God's word. We love you. We're for you. Come on, give it up. Pastor Jabin Chavez. Let's go. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 says this, immediately after this, immediately after this. Now, what is, what is this after? This is right after the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus and the disciples have just fed. Uh, we say 5,000, that's 5,000 men. So with women and children, we're looking at 15 to 20,000 people. And so right after the feeding of the multitudes, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat, cross to the other side of the lake, while he sent the people home. And after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. And about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the other side of the boat, walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind, and the waves, he was terrified. He began to sink. Save me, Lord. Save me, Lord. And Jesus immediately reached out. He grabbed him. He said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God. You really are the son of God. I want to talk just for uh, a few moments that we'll share together uh, from this thought, eyes on Jesus, this storm will pass. Eyes on Jesus, this storm will pass. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for these moments that we share. I thank you that, uh, Lord, you're going to preach beyond me. You're going you're gonna to tailor make this word to exactly the need of the person watching, whether they are on the highest mountain or the lowest valley whether they feel like they're in one of the greatest seasons of their life or most challenging seasons of their life, I just thank you that your word has the power to go beyond circumstance and go beyond even seasons and can speak right into our hearts. So Holy Spirit speak. We're listening, we're leaning in, and we cannot wait to see what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Come on, throw an amen in the chat Say an amen in your living room, maybe even in the coffee shop right now, and I know that God hears us. Um, when I read Matthew 14, it reminds me of how extreme life can be. Life can just feel so extreme. 
Uh, like one author said, it can be the best of times and worst of times. I, I, I've felt that before. Maybe you're feeling that right now. Life, life can feel so day and night, so black and white, so hot and cold, so winter and summer, right at the same time. Like not just, not just in the same year, but literally in the same day. That's what we see in Matthew 14. We go from one of the greatest miracles in the Gospels to one of the greatest storms in the Gospels. And it happens at the same time, from, from God's provision to the wind and the waves, from, from, man, Jesus can do anything, nothing is possible, nothing is impossible to, Lord, if it's really you, like if you're really in this, if your hand is still really upon my life, tell me to come. From, from great fear, we're going to die. We're going to sink to great worship and great praise. Life can feel so extreme. And, and, and maybe you're sitting there right now watching this going, man, I feel like that. Well, I, I just want to encourage you with a few thoughts. The, the first is that you're not alone. You're not alone in feeling that. People are feeling that right now. I'll be honest with you. There's days that I feel like that. Because of the craziness of the season that we are all in. There's just times that it can feel this way. You're not alone. Uh, you're not the first. <laughs> not only did the disciples experience this, but I mean, just read the Psalms. You, you read the Psalms and you see David, he'll, he'll start a song by saying, God, you've forsaken me. God, you've left me. God, where are you? And then by the end of the song, he's going, but I'm going to put my trust in you, and I know that you're near, and I know that you hear my prayer. And I mean, it's just like, it's extreme. In a song, it's extreme. And, and thirdly, I want to tell you that you're not feeling this because you have a lack of faith. It's not like the emotions that you're feeling right now and the experiences that you're walking through are just because you have a lack of faith. See, the disciples were not in the storm because of a lack of faith. They weren't experiencing that storm because they didn't have faith. I, I honestly believe that they were experiencing that storm because on the other side of the storm, on the other side of the lake, on the other side of this journey was going to be ministry. Continue to read the chapter, and you're going to find out that people were healed, people were saved, people were delivered on the other side of the storm. And so maybe what you're going through right now is an attack. Maybe what you're going through right now is a test and a trial that is attacking you because on the other side of it is something awesome, is something miraculous, is something incredible. So please don't give up in the middle of the storm. Please don't quit in the middle of the fight. Please don't get so discouraged in the wind and the waves and the rain that you quit on what God has for you because I promise you every cloud eventually runs out of water. Every storm eventually has to cease and there is something amazing for you on the other side. God is doing something incredible in you right now, but he doesn't want it to just stop there. He wants to do something incredible through you. Eyes on Jesus. This storm will pass. Let me just give you a few things from the text uh, quickly in our, in our moments together. Here, here's the first. Courage is available. Courage is available. Jesus said this in verse 27. Take courage. I'm here. 
take courage, I am here. And, and I just want that to get in your spirit right now. Courage is available. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the ability to believe God and trust God and stand on God's word in very fearful and scary moments. Take courage. Jesus is not simply saying that you need to toughen up. Jesus is not saying you need to be tougher. You need to be stronger. You need to get over it. No, that's not what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that there is courage available. He's saying that your attitude right here and right now is more important than your circumstance. You got you to know this about courage. Courage is not a feeling. It's a decision. Courage is an inward attitude, not an emotion. It's not that courageous people are fearless people. It's not that courageous people never deal with worry, anxiety, or fear. It's that courageous people have learned how to believe God in the midst of the wind and in the midst of the rain and in the midst of the storm and in the midst of the waves. They've, they, they have not ignored emotion or gone past emotion. They've simply learned that their inward life is more important than their outward life. And that eventually your inward life is actually going to lead your outward life. If you don't like what's going on around you, you may need to look on the inside and ask yourself, because a lot of you are lacking peace and you think it's because of a circumstance, maybe it's something much deeper and much more important than a circumstance. It's what's going on on the inside of you. Take courage. I'm here, please never forget this. Your inward life is more important than your outward life. This is why I'm so excited about the, the series that you guys have been in, Dangerous Habits. What an incredible thought. What, why is Pastor Chad teaching you through that? Why is he walking you through the importance of renewing your mind and the importance of prayer, the importance of worship, the importance of Bible reading? Why is all that so important? Because he knows something that is so true and is so real. It's something that he's now lived for uh, literally decades, and it's this. It's that what I do daily, it's that my private life is the most important thing about me. It's more important than my image. It's more important than my reputation. It's more important than what you think about me. It's more important than the storm. It's more important than the circumstance. My private life, my inward life, what I do daily, my walk with God is going to be the sustaining force of my life. Hebrews said that, that hope is like an anchor to our souls that keeps us grounded and safe and secure. Your inner reality is more important than what's going on around you. And eventually your inner reality is going to lead what's going on around you. I don't know if you've ever read scriptures like uh, Joshua 1. God comes to Joshua and he goes, hey, be strong, be courageous. I don't know if you've ever just read stuff like that and thought, yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, is it that easy? I, I, I don't know about you, but I read stuff in the Bible sometimes. I go, God, that's impossible. Love my enemies? 
Pray for those who curse me. Love people who hate me. Turn the other cheek. Be strong. Be courageous. Be holy. Maybe you're reading the text going, God, I can't do that. Perfect. Because it's not about you doing it by yourself. The Bible is not just a good book for good people. It is the living word of God that shows us the possibilities, that shows us what could be if we would ever surrender to the grace of God, to the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I just, I'm telling you right now, you're never going to obey God by yourself it requires God to obey God. God will never give you a life where he is unnecessary. So when you read the word and you go, wow, I can't do that. God goes, good, good, good. I don't want you to do it because if you could do it, you get all the credit, you get all the glory, you get all the praise. So God actually calls us to this life of courage. He calls us to this life of surrender. He calls us to this life of adventure. He calls us to this life of love and hope and faith that is beyond us. And it leads us right to Jesus. Wow. When God says to be courageous, he's, he's not asking us to ignore our emotions or to become a faith robot. But he's offering us a life of faith beyond the emotion of the moment. Because the reality is in most settings, in most seasons, in most moments... You're either going to live from courage or from emotion. And I'm just telling you, emotion is usually going to get you in trouble. So I have to learn how to obey while I'm afraid, how to trust while I'm scared, how to believe while in the storm, how to praise while in the battle. Peace is not the absence of the storm. Peace is the presence of Jesus and he's with you. And if he says to take courage, it's not because he's asking you again to be tough or strong. Do you notice what he said there? He said, he said, take courage. I'm here. He said, look at me, not the waves, not the wind, not the rain. Look at me. I'm here. Number two, faith is unusual. Faith is unusual. Peter responds and he says, tell me to come. Walking on the water. Here's my question. I want you to wrestle with this this week. I want you to think about it this week. I, 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 want, it to, I want it to get in your soul this week. I, I, want you to, I want you to think about it. When is the last time you walked on water? <laughs> now, I'm not talking about physically walking on water. I'm asking you, when is the last time you obeyed God? When is the last time you took a leap of faith? When is the last time you got a word from God and obeyed that word? When is the last time you walked on water? When is the last time you stretched your faith? When is the last time you went beyond your comfort zone into the faith zone? When is the last time you left the boat of comfort and left the boat of ease and left the boat of convenience and took a step out onto the waters of conviction and onto the waters of risk and onto the waters of faith? I promise you the life you want, the life you want, I don't know if you're a Christian or not, but the life you want, 
I don't know if I'm preaching to a male or female right now. I don't know who's watching this right now. I don't know if you're 20 years old or 80 years old. I don't know. But let me just say something. The life you want is not in the boat. The life you want is going to require faith. The life you want is going to require you getting a word from Jesus and taking a step of faith. When is the last time you walked on water? When is the last time you got a word from heaven and you took a step of radical faith and it was scary and it was risky and it put a knot in your stomach and maybe it put a little sweat going down your forehead and it maybe made your hands shake a little bit and maybe it made your knees knock a little bit, but you know you got a word from God. I'm telling you, God will call us into scary moments, not really to test our faith, but to stretch our faith to grow our faith, and to show us what is available by the power of faith. Wow. Notice that Jesus said, you, you come out here. Come on. He said, come on. I think a lot of us are inviting Jesus into our boat. <laughs> but he's not getting in our boat till we get out on the water. There is something powerful about taking a step of faith. Because I think there's a lot of Christians, they just live in their boat of comfort. They live in their boat of ease. They live in their boat of convenience. They go, Jesus, go ahead and join me. Like, I've already got my boat. I've already got my thing. I've already got my plan. But you can join me if you want to. And Jesus is saying, I don't get in the boat. You get out on the water. You get out on the impossible you know, I'm so grateful for your pastors. I'm so grateful that they took a step out on the water years ago, moving to Southern California years ago with a growing family and the, and the health challenges of Georgia. They didn't let that stop them. They didn't, they didn't just wait forever. They took a step and it was scary and it was inconvenient but they had conviction. Why? Because they heard from God. I'm so grateful for your pastors. I'm so grateful that they took that step of faith. I'm so grateful that they believed God and it was scary and it was new and it was, it was unknown, but it was God and the waters were choppy and the, and the wind was howling and the rain was falling, but they took a step of faith. And think about all the thousands of people that have come to Christ because of Zoe. Think about all the thousands of people that have found hope because of Zoe. Think about all the, all the thousands of people. Their lives have been radically changed because they took a step of faith, because they left their boat at an inconvenient time to do something awesome for God. Hear me, friend. Faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Take a risk. Believe God. Join that team at your church and start serving. Well, I'm too busy. You're always going to be busy. Start giving financially to Zoe. I can't afford it. You're never going to be able to afford it. Take the step of faith. Become a tither. Become an offering giver. Join your faith with Zoe Church. Connect your heart to what God is doing in this house. Join that team. Serve in the kids' ministry. Audition for the worship team. Take a step. Take a step of faith and don't wait for life to be perfect before you join in. Faith has always been unusual. 
But can I remind you, faith still pleases God. Faith still moves God. Faith still releases miracles. Faith still changes generations. Faith still opens the heavens and faith still moves mountains. Let's be a part of that unusual group of believers that really believes. Let's be a part of that unusual group of believers that takes the step out of the boat onto the water. Here's what the Bible says about faith. Hebrews 11, one, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Watch this, faith gives hope substance. Faith gives hope flesh. Faith gives hope feet. It's one thing to sit on the boat and go, I hope so. It's another thing to make that hope move and take the step out onto the water with Jesus. Let's continue 10 verses later. Hebrews 11, 11, by faith, Sarah received power to conceive. Watch this. She received power to conceive. Faith receives and faith conceives the promises of God. Faith is unusual, but I'm grateful for your amazing, I, I, I say this in the most complimentary, complimentary way, your unusual pastors because they have unusual faith and they have an unusual love for the word and they have an unusual love for the things of God and for the call of God on their life. Come on, let's be, I, I, pray, I pray Zoe would always be unusual. I pray Zoe would always be radical. I pray Zoe would always be that place. You need prayer, we will pray for you. You need help, we will help you. You need guidance, we will help you. You need a place where the presence of God is moving and has freedom, it's right here. Come on, let's be an unusual people. Faith is unusual. And LA does not simply need another good church. It needs an unusual house of faith. That's, that's what Paul called the church in Galatians 6, the household of faith. Wow. A place of breakthrough, a place of prayer, a place of worship. That is what Zoe is, and it will always be that, and we want you to join in with that. Whether you live in L.A. can go in person or you're part of the online family, join us in that. Number, number three, doubt is optional. Doubt is optional. <laughs> uh, Jesus said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Now, I want to start by saying this. At least Peter had some faith. Like, that's more than we could say about the disciples. They had no faith. They didn't even move. So at least Peter took a step of faith. At least he believed. At least he took a risk. And I just want to, I just want to remind you that I would rather walk on the water and sink than stay on the boat and sit. I would rather walk on the water and take a risk than stay on the boat and criticize and judge and roll my eyes at people who are believing God. But Jesus said, why did you doubt me, Peter? Why did you doubt me? I, I hear the emotion of the moment. I can hear the, the emotion of Jesus' question, why'd you doubt me? Because I think what Jesus was really saying is, Peter, you know me. You know me. 
Why, why were you more amazed at the wind and the waves than at me? You know me, Pete. But here's what I, here's what I think it really was. See, just hours ago, just hours ago, not days ago, not months ago, not years ago, hours ago, Jesus fed a multitude of people. By the way, he did it through the hands of the disciples. And Peter had already lost his awe, his wonder, his worship, his amazement at the miracle Jesus just did. And if you'll lose your awe, and if you'll lose your gratitude for what God has already done, you will never have the faith to believe God right here and right now. Because Peter lost his amazement for the feeding of the 5,000, he lost his faith in the storm. Never forget this, that faith and awe are always connected. Faith and worship are always connected. The faith you need today is very much connected to your memory of what God has already done. Today's faith is connected to my gratitude for what God has already done in my life. Faith is hidden in my praise. Faith is released in my praise. The faith I need now is connected to my gratitude for what God did then. Faith. Faith. And praise. And gratitude. And awe are all connected. You you got to get this in your heart because the very thing that Peter was meant to walk on, he ended up almost drowning in. And if you lose your amazement and you lose your gratitude and you lose your praise for what God has already done, you will end up drowning in the thing that God has given you authority over to walk on. This is why the Bible constantly says things like, remember the Lord. Do not forget the Lord. Tell the next generation about the Lord. Meditate on the Lord. God says you're going to have to keep your faith memory. You're going to have to keep your faith memory strong. Because if not, you will get so amazed by the current circumstance. And you'll forget all God has already done. And you will no longer be able to expect good in the future. This is why Psalm 103 verse 2 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not. Forget not all of his benefits. Bless the Lord, forget not. I I genuinely believe that if you forget, you will not bless. But there is this power in blessing the Lord. There's this power in remembering the Lord. There is this power in refusing to forget the Lord. Come on, just think about the goodness of God in your life. Don't lose your gratitude. 
because the faith you need today, and you need it, and I need it, and we need it, the faith we need today is so connected to our gratitude for what God has already done. And, and I've got one more point. I gotta wrap up, but I just, I just gotta tell you this. Worship is always appropriate. Worship is always appropriate. The Bible said in verse 33 that the storm ceased, the wind ceased, the waves ceased. Peter and Jesus walked back into the boat, which by the way is just a really cool thought. Just because you sank doesn't mean you can't walk again. Just because you've had some moments where you've almost drowned doesn't mean you can't walk again. You can get back up again. Come on, this is your day to get back up again. They get back in the boat, and then the disciples worshiped him. Then. Um, I want to submit to you that that was the right thing to do. It is appropriate to worship after the storm. It is appropriate to worship when your season has shifted. It is important to worship when there's been sorrow at night, but now joy has come in the morning. It's important, Miriam, that after you cross through the Red Sea and you've seen your enemies defeated by God, that you worship, like in the book of Exodus. That's important. It's important. I'm glad the disciples worshiped him. The book of James actually says this in chapter five. James said, hey, are you happy? Sing. Sing songs of praise. That's good. It was appropriate for the disciples to worship after the storm. Let me just submit something to you. It is powerful to worship in the storm. It is prophetic to worship in the storm. It is soul-changing, heart-transforming, mind-renewing to worship in the storm. Not as easy, but it is so powerful. There's a song that our church sings. I know you guys probably sing it too. It's called I Raise a Hallelujah. And it has this little line in there. It says, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Now, I just want you to think about that for one moment because I think the author could have said, I'm going to sing after the storm. I'm going to sing my storm is over. Imagine those lyrics I'm going to sing. My storm is gone. You know what? We, we could sing that in church. It'd be appropriate. But only like five people could sing it. <laughs> and the rest of us would have to watch those five people who got their miracle worship. And the rest of us would just have to wait because we're, we're still in our mess. We're still in our storm. We're still in our trial. And we would have to applaud you and Thank God for your breakthrough, but we wouldn't be able to sing. So, so the author of the song, he, he knew something. He knows something that we know. That though that would be appropriate to worship after the storm, and you should, there is something powerful about worshiping in the storm. I'm not making light of what you're going through. I'm not. 
But I'm asking you in the midst of it, with the rain coming down and the wind howling and the waves crashing and the lightning striking and the, and the thunder crashing around you, could you take a moment and just worship? Because I promise that will do more for you than anything. Will, will your praise and your worship stop the storm? I don't know. I don't know. But I know it will calm the storm in you. Will your praise and your worship just change every circumstance? I don't know. But it will change you. As you praise God, will it be like Acts chapter 16? Will the, will the, you know, the chains fall off and the prison doors open? I, I'm not sure. Will, will it change everything about your life? I'm not sure. But here's what I do know. It'll, it'll break the chains off of you. It'll set you free. I can't promise you today that by trusting God and trusting Jesus and worshiping Jesus, your, your whole life is just going to get better tomorrow. I can't do that. I wish I could. I can't. But I do know this. I do know that your worship and your praise and your song in the storm will transform you. It'll give you peace. It'll give you that peace that the Apostle Paul talked about when he said it's a peace that passes understanding. It's a peace that doesn't make sense. I shouldn't have peace. I shouldn't be calm. But God, eyes on Jesus. Hey, eyes on Jesus. Come on, this week, eyes on Jesus. This storm will pass. And while the storm is passing around you, Jesus is going to calm the storm within you.